Hello? Bill. Ah. Bill. Yeah? Bill. Can you not hear me? Bill. Oh, I can hear you. I just want to keep saying Bill over and over again. Oh. Won't you marry me, Bill? No. I got the wedding bell blues. How did we lose Andy in all this? We can never lose Andy. Andy will always be with us. He's like the force. Yeah. He surrounds us. He binds us. <laughs> Andy's like prunes. You no, know, actually, prunes make you go bit more. Uh, so what, what binds you? Fiber. Cheese. Fiber? No, yeah. fiber makes you go more, too. Yeah. Cheese. Too much cheese. Andy is the cheese of Listen to the Prophets. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? Your Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Welcome to Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast presented by two true freaks. We are here watching every episode of Deep Space Nine, whether we want to or not. No, I want to. Let's that, not overly that, overstate this. Well, the voice you just heard is Paul Spataro. He's been exercising I, his choking hand. My over, choking hand is very strong today. Over there is... <laughs> the choking hand is strong in this one. <laughs> over there is Dr. Bill Robinson, who found a knife. Look, a new Vorta. And last, but far from least, is Mr. Sir Andrew Leyland, who found a gun. Contractually, I'm and. Yes. Mr. I'm, sir or Sir Mr. And I'm J. David Weeder, and here at Listen to the Prophets, we just want you to know we want our money. You ponder that, listener. Do we have any Star Trek news this time around? Hmm. I mean, I know Star Trek news. I have, uh, just on a TV binging basis, I've been doing something I swore I would never, ever do, which just goes back to James Bond of Never Say Never Again. Are you watching Gilmore Girls? No, that's, I still would say I'm never going to do that. But uh, I found myself starting to, from the beginning, to binge watch uh, Lost over again. Ooh. I yeah. don't know why I fell down that rabbit hole, but I did, and I've it's watched on like, Hulu five, again yes. now, right? And, yeah. and we recently subscribed to Hulu, and I found myself so far. I've watched the first five episodes of it, and I forgot how good it was mm-hmm. early on. And I'm sure it, I'll don't stay with it. Don't tell me what I can't do. Sorry. I'm sure I'll stay with it until it de- degrades to the point of wondering why I watched it over again. But right now, I've, I'm enjoying a rewatch, which again I thought I would never do. You could have been watching Good go Omens back, this whole game. time. I could have been watching what? You could have been watching Good Omens this whole time. I could have been, and I and I will, because I've heard positive things about that. Well, you, uh, surely you've read the book, right? Mm, surely I have not. Who wrote them? Is it Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman. Ratchet? Oh, okay. No, I haven't read the book either. Uh, Andy, have you watched Good Omens? Yes. Okay. And read the book. Yes. I assume so, because you're a man of taste and eloquence. That's very true. I'm very good at his too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you two could blow me. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Sorry. why that, that threw me so Bill, badly. Bill's, Bill's that postule-faced, ugly 
seething bloke from hell, isn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, great. Well, great. You're just trying to entice me to go watch it. English. What is it? Whoa. It's very... Deb's not English. Yeah, I'm not British. Sorry. I ain't talking about... You're not? I'm not talking about Dave. Well, Dave's the one that's... We're both trying to push you on this, but that's okay. I'll get to it, all right? Sorry. Sorry. Real life is just creeping in too much. I want my money, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Some reason we just keep going into Collector Goofy. (laughs) These are my stomping boots. Collector Goofy. That's That's a new Marvel character, right? There you go, yeah. Goofy becomes a clone. I need the stones. (laughs) Give me the stones, Gamora. (laughs) I gotta collect the Avengers, yo. Oh, so this episode is one little... It's an episode. It's an episode. It's entitled One Little Ship. In the blink of an eye. They are getting smaller. I don't feel any smaller. A dangerous experiment turns deadly. Something's wrong. The Jemadar coming around for another pass. In the heat of battle. Return fire, Mr. Warp. Surrender, or you will all be killed. A bitter enemy takes control. The Defiant is ours. In the face of death, victory needs a hero. Fire. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're still in Season 6, Episode 14, so we're almost to the end of Season 6, and almost to the end of the show in general. This one was directed by Alan Croker. Croker! 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 <laughs> Written by David Weddle, no relation, and Bradley Thompson, and originally aired the week of February 18th, 1998. Andy, do you remember that time frame? No. Me either. Good. Then I'm looking at this. This is an awfully long synopsis, so I'll just break it down more simply. Dax, O'Brien, and Bashir are on a runabout called the Rubicon. They get shrunk while the Jim Hadar take over the Defiant. As the Defiant people, that being Cisco, Kira, Worf, and Nog, try to stall to in terms of fixing the Defiant, the little ship decides to save the day, helps them along, and everybody's good. Oh, and you Worf, just did- Worf writes a poem. Like I just that, that, that's the entire plot. Yeah. To be honest with you, you didn't. Yeah, that, that honey, I shrunk the, the kids' film. <laughs> Fantastic voyage. That's yeah. this. That's exactly that. I'm like, I'm not reading this whole thing. It's you just didn't want to say Kudat Etan and Ixtana Rax. Well, they didn't say it in the show, Bill. Well, it was in a You synopsis. said it very well, Bill. I know I did. You've been I've practicing been, that all I've week, and then Dave decided not to do the synopsis. <laughs> the funny Curse thing you, is, like, Peter! <laughs> the episode isn't that bad, but I was amused. No, it's, it's not. It's like Rascals from the Next Generation. It's it sounds... Rascals. It sounds like it's going to be utter shit. And then it surprises you by not being, and actually being very fun and very entertaining throughout... If you ignore that these Jem'Hadar are the dumbest bastards in the history of the galaxy. No, 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 all of them but one. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. The, the one guy that isn't a dumb bastard, nobody listens to. I really have to take, not offense, but just want to slap the Jem'Hadar, you know, what? Do you not see the ship that's like the size of your fist right next to your face? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if it was like you, a mosquito, you'd see it. <laughs> the size of that mosquito! Oh my god! Mm. Like it's, it's like a softball floating around. Well, it's it's not just that. It's that the, he's incredibly the the number one who's supposed to be wonderful is crap throughout the entire episode. His second is the smart one, but he just keeps being overridden. But throughout it all, not only are they too dense to figure out what Cisco and Co are up to, but they start a frigging firefight right next to the warp core. <laughs> no joke. And it's like, how stupid! 
stupid are you? Pretty stupid. Is there something I'm, wrong with the genetic material they're using for the alphas? Because why is there this whole rivalry between the gammas and the alphas? I mean, you're they're all doing the, They're doing the Crips and the Bloods. I, I know. It's like there's this... What? I, yeah. Well, the Gammas well, and the Alphas were, were supposedly bred differently. The the Alphas were bred for combat in this zone. So they're they're all young, dumb, and full of rum. Yeah, I mean, they get points for treating this as ridiculously stupid as it is, just like they did in Rascals. Especially Kira's laugh fit at the beginning where she's like is this the stupidest thing ever <laughs> and everyone's like yeah it kind of is i'm fair play to him for playing relatively fair with the science when bashir points out that he wouldn't be able to go outside because of the air molecules i'm sure blaine will have something to say about that later but whilst it is fun and entertaining and frivolous and not to be taken seriously ultimately you can't take it serious because these gemadar are just so fucking stupid well you know i'm gonna i want to go there for a minute because yes you're right it's inartistically written if that's a proper way to say it but the themes that they're hitting on are kind of interesting because you know star trek has played with that a little bit in the past you know getting getting old and outdated in in your job and i thought this one did it a little bit differently than what we've seen in the past because you know in the past i the one that jumps out at me is you know william shatner in in the uh, Wrath of Khan, you know, now he's in his 50s and he's feeling old and he has to get rejuvenated into the position. In, in this one, it's it's done a little bit more, you know, ham-handedly and it's, uh, or ham-fistedly, but it's, you know, the message is interesting, the way they present it, that, you know, the number two used to be a number one, but he's been replaced now that they're going with this other crew of uh, Jem Hadar, and these other guys are bred for fighting, so they really don't see, you know, the the subtlety of getting hit in the face with a brick. Uh, and, and, you know, how this guy is, you know, he sees it and he's frustrated because his job is that he can't push his will on things, but he keeps just trying to, to give his advice and the other guy won't accept it because he sees it as a, a challenge to his authority. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't very subtly done, but Star Trek hasn't always been known for its subtlety. Uh, and I, I did, I did find it to be fairly interesting the way that they presented it all, and, and I enjoyed watching it. Again, I'm not going to walk away saying, "Oh, look at this! This was, you know, masterful," but it was entertaining to watch. And I, and I was kind of glad when you just said that because I'm walking away from this one saying, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then we, we you know, we start doing this episode and everybody's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. So then when, when you qualified that by saying it wasn't a problem to watch, that it was enjoyable, I felt, OK, at least I'm not the total outlier here. But I, I still think no, I, no, it, it is, I appreciated it more than it's you guys, a lot, I think. Of fun. My it's biggest... an awful lot of fun to watch it. And the, the actors what? all seem to be having a certain amount of fun with it, even though they know it's ridiculous. It's, you know. But my my you biggest problem it, in the whole episode, the thing that I just watched that made me cringe, is at the end when they show the ship pulling up to Worf and Jed Z is inside waving to him mm -hmm. to, and, and blowing him kisses. That was just openly stupid and cringeworthy. But other than Worf that... Worf isn't even looking at the ship. He just looks so... And the special effect looked bad. I mean, it was, it, that was just a, a very bad... That, that just should not have been in the episode. But other than that, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, I, I accepted that, that this number one was just so thick-headed that he, he couldn't bear to listen to what the, uh, the now number two was telling him. Uh, and and 
that little conflict between them and, and, you know, having Cisco have to play on that conflict and play with it a little bit. Uh, you know, I found that to be fun. And, and I, I laughed out loud when at the end with the uh, scene with Odo and Quark telling him that they looked a little, small, you know, like a centimeter smaller. And then they ran off to sickbay to get measured. <laughs> I, I thought that was all well done. It was just so it was such an innocuous episode. And following up, and I know we're not supposed to compare it, but at the same time, following up from Far Beyond the Stars, and, and amongst a season where we do have this war hanging about, it felt really out of place, really ill Well, this is an episode they could have done any any of the seven seasons. There was no reason this needed to be here. Correct. Yeah. And, and they have shown us in the past, they have a history of following up the heavier, uh, you know, really big episodes with something a little bit more lighthearted uh, because if you try to follow it up with something similar you know usually you're gonna it's gonna be a step down and and it's not gonna be uh well accepted so i do think it's a good idea to try a total change of pace there which is what they did so overall like i said i'm i'm kind of fine with it i almost feel like far behind beyond the stars should have been like a season ender just because mm-hmm. it, it is difficult to follow that up well see now that you bring that up um about where this that this could have been played in any season. Eh, I don't really think so, because I think that was the first things I thought in the opening dialogue. He's like, oh, we're taking a break from the war. What? So wait, big war going on. We're going to send basically all, you know, Worf, Jadzia, Kira, who should be in charge of the station when Cisco's not there. It's like, no, you really, this, I think this should have been in an earlier season because I don't think it fits. I mean, I still, it's still a, enjoyable light episode but i don't really i I just don't i i don't buy the reason why they're all on the ship and here in the middle of a war i i know oh so we can figure out how to make transwarp conduits and maybe bring the war to a close sooner Uh, no i'm not i'm not buying that i i don't mean to make light of your point but uh it sounds to me like you went into christopher walken again (laughs) they're here in the middle of a war I think that's just a natural thing of mine, so I can't help that. Wow. Whoa. The small. What happened? Where'd it go? See, that's a full-on walking. Although that was a mini walking. Yeah, whatever. I uh, I get it. Mini walking. I mean, I would have liked for for them to go, you know, to go even smaller uh, and do like a fantastic, a fantastic voyage, voyage thing. We have to fly inside Cisco. Ooh. No, in the companion, no. in the companion, it said uh, I don't even know who the special effects supervisor was, but he said, you know, this is an idea that's been floating around for quite some time, and he dreaded that they were going to do it at some point, <laughs> just because of having to make the miniature models and everything. I did think it was, it looked, and I think this won an Emmy as well. But I did think it, for special effects, yeah. Because that effect at the end with her blowing kisses is horrible. Yeah, but the other ones where they're actually flying, zipping around their legs and hiding behind little pipes and stuff, I thought that looked pretty cool. Oh, yes, it received a Primetime Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Special Visual Effects in the Series. Nomination and and award aren't the same. Hmm. True. And it does play like Inner Space in that it's an awful lot of fun to have them dicking around in in sub micronauts territory and the gag at the end with with odo is very funny <laughs> remember when they did this on star trek the animated series yes yes <laughs> they did it on the animated I series i could not stop thinking about that mm-hmm. 
Of course, that one was the I whole mean, crew. But though there was a bit in the middle, apparently, where they felt that they'd, they'd made the gem Hadar too stupid. So <laughs> there's a confrontation between one of them and Cisco, and Cisco tells the crew it's all going to be all right. And one of the gem Hadar says, "No, it isn't," and blows somebody's head off. Ooh. And they they were forced to take that out because the tone of the episode was like everywhere else that they felt like somebody had their head you, blown. You know, it it doesn't have to be all or nothing. They could have had him shoot somebody in the arm or something then yeah. blow somebody's head off but they could have made it more serious by making the threat real yeah and i think that's ultimately the problem they've done a really good job throughout the entire seasons of making the gem hadar a really interesting alien adversary and threatening and like you just said a, a proper adversary and in this one they're just stupid but it doesn't matter so much because the episode it is fun it's fun to watch i wasn't bored by it yeah, and I think that's ultimately where we probably are, you know, getting snagged on this is we want more now. Just entertaining isn't good enough. You know, we're, we're looking for, mm-hmm. for deeper meaning or, or you know, uh, some something in the theme to debate. And the biggest thing, I mean, theme-wise, the biggest thing here is the getting old and outdated aspect of it, which I think is still significant. I mean, I don't want to you know, dismiss that out of hand either. Yeah, but it also shows that even in in mediocre episodes like this one, Star Trek is still trying to say something about things, which I think has been lost recently. Well, and that's something as we go on that, you know, we're going to see a little bit more of that. As as the excitement ramps up and we get more into adventure, sometimes we're going to lose some of the the deeper uh, discussion, discussion points because... You know, we're going to be getting suspense and action instead. That will happen in, in, in certain episodes. And the really, really top ones are going to be the ones that combine both and give us you know, a little of everything. But, you know, we we shall see. At this point, uh, the bottom line on this one is I, I did feel it was enjoyable to watch. And, you know, it, it did have a total change in tone. I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, you know, there's this, I think it's been hit and miss again on when they've, changed tone and gone to different episodes and I think one of the reasons why I'm more accepting of it in this one is because as heavy as the last one was it really wasn't too deeply tied into the continuity of the war so I didn't feel like okay you know we just we're ramping up the war and now we're moving on to something else and this one we we had a uh, you know basically a message episode in far beyond the stars and now you know and it was a very heavy episode but now we're going to just you know a little bit more lighthearted but at the same time pulling us back into the war because now we're going to have a confrontation with the you know the stupid cousins of the of the gem hadar that we've seen so far <laughs> it does it does fit in with the the goofy theme of this episode what my kids are so white room give Just me that give me the stuff I found a disruptor. Huh? They they don't really explain other than the fact that these Jemhadar were manufactured locally. They don't really say why they're so different. Maybe it's the poor subcontractor. Where did you get this genetic material from? <laughs> but you know that's uh, again. I I did like I I liked maybe maybe because I liked the older Jemhadar, the number two. Maybe because I liked his character and the way he was presented, it made me more willing to overlook the stupidity of the other Jem'Hadar. Because he wasn't stupid. He was totally onto everything that was going on. So, and, and you, you could feel his frustration. And, you, you know, as, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, well, how do you deal with this? You know, what, you know, you're, you're now in a situation where, 
you're no longer in charge and the person in charge is trying to, you know, flex his muscles at your expense by dismissing everything you say and not respecting, you know, your experience and, and how you perceive things because he's trying to make some sort of a stupid point. And I can see where that could come to play. And, you know, before, if, you know, I don't think anybody who I work with listens to this, but I'm not speaking from personal experience here. <laughs> but you can see in, in the business world how in today's corporate model, they seem to have a greater reliance and respect for youth, which is fine. But you could see where this one kind of hits that a little bit where you need to have a balance between you know, wanting to bring in that youth, but also respecting the experience of the older. So as somebody who's getting older, I do kind of appreciate that. Uh, and again, like I haven't really older. dealt with it. been old for a while. I mean, sorry, that is, is that out loud? Good, good, good point. Good point. But as, as I get even more decrepit, I forget that I was already <laughs> old. Hmm. So basically what you're saying is they've just turned the gem Hadar into office space. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Milton. He didn't get any cake. <laughs> this is this is my phaser. This is, this is, this is my phaser, not your phaser. My, my phaser. <laughs> you know what? You just added, you just added half a star to this episode. Yeah, yeah, no joke. <laughs> if, I don't, if I don't get my phaser, I'm going to have to blow up the ship. <laughs> I love it now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually, I kid you not, changed my whole perspective. Hey, but nobody's talking about the new Vorta in town. Everybody's talking about the new Vorta in town. There's uh, a new Vorta isn't he the same Vorta we saw last time? No, that's what, we'll see him next time. Yeah, we'll see him next uh, time. On an all-new episode. <laughs> on an all-new episode. I have to but, say, for the, and, and it's, it's definitely a contradiction in the past, because I really enjoyed Iggy Pop as a Vorta, but... I prefer Jeffrey Combs to play every Vorta, to be honest with you. I think they Jeffrey could clone him. could just play every character. He, he practically could. Yeah. But since 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 he is a clone, I kind of accept the fact that he could just be the Vorta all the time, and he could be in more than one place at one time. Although I think there's only one clone in existence at a time. I think it's only when one dies that they reclone the next one. Yes. Good evening. I'm Wayun. I'll be your waiter. <laughs> they should. They, they make a great waiter. I think perhaps you should start with this this evening. Oh, tell me, you. tell me, it wouldn't have been kind of a fun thing is if at some point they had found themselves on some sort of a mission where they were in like a headquarters or something, and there were like fifteen Wayuns walking around, and everywhere they went, they just bumped into another Wayun. <laughs> I was picturing, like, being John Malkovich when they go inside Malkovich's head and everybody is John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That could have been a fun, lighthearted episode if they had decided to go with that. Andy, did you recognize uh, this Mr. Leland Crook that plays the Vorta? No, who is he? He was in uh, in Angel. Uh, I th He was one of the powers that be, one of the guys. Oh, in was he? Yeah. He was from yeah, he was in. Uh, so not one of the, well, not one of the golden thingy Oscar statues. No, 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 no. He was the Archduke Sebasis. All oh, right. Like he has white makeup on and horns, and I think at, at the end, that's you know. Yeah. He really didn't have any. This particular board didn't have anything going for him, in my opinion. There was, there was nah. no point. He wasn't in the slightest bit compelling. Whereas, like I said, you know, I I appreciated Iggy Pop as the Vorta because there was a certain. 
I was going to say Gravitas, which there was not, but there was just a certain fun element to his portrayal mm. that made it okay that he wasn't Wayun. This guy has like nothing going Iggy for Pop him. light is the way he just kind of looks. Yeah, but Iggy, he, he, he yeah, was no Iggy, Iggy Pop. Pop. No. Yeah. And one of the things that we haven't mentioned is how funny the dialogue is. Like the moments where Worf's, I do not see what is humorous about being small, and Nog goes, neither do I. Perfectly to play <laughs> deadpan. Mm. And Bashir's line about it was very small of me was genuinely Oh, funny. my God. Some of these were like groaners. It's like, oh, my God. But that's why they're funny. Cause they're <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah that's, exactly, that's exactly right, Paul. That's why Bashir's, they're funny. Well, yeah, it's like dad jokes. It, yeah, it's like if we were all on the ship, <laughs> then we <laughs> would just be cracking these bad jokes. Yeah. This is what we'd be doing. And I love Wolf's poem. <laughs> it was this little ship. <laughs> it was this little, little ship trip. that took a little... And it's like, it's the opening to Gilligan's Island, surely. Oh! He just, he just another kept... point. There we go. <laughs> he just kept It's going to be a five-star episode by the time we're done with it. <laughs> yeah, by the time we're done with it. I, so, yeah. I would wonder how many times they filmed that scene that he had to keep that straight face for so long. <laughs> and not and not just start, you know... <clears throat> So, you know, for all its silliness and all the stuff that we've poked fun at it, it did make me smile. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a comedy episode. Isn't the point of the comedy episode to make you laugh? Absolutely. In which case, it did, so it achieved its goals. It's a comedy episode with the eminent threat of death, just like yes. life. Yes, just <laughs> like life. <laughs> I guess yeah, you, you, never, you never feel the threat of death, really. Even even when when the number one is saying, you know, do what I say or I'm going to kill her. <laughs> and he points at Kira. Uh, and then I'm, every 15 minutes after, I'm going to kill another one of your crew. It doesn't have the You've same... You've never been to my office, obviously. <laughs> it, it doesn't have the, the same gravitas as like when, uh, when they say it at Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yes! A great Christmas movie. That's what I told, that's what I told my... That's what I told my kids and my wife last night, and they all look at me. I'm like, it's it's, it's a Christmas movie. What's wrong with you people? So those gremlins. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. How, 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 what you know when you can, whenever you can get a heartwarming story about how somebody's father tried to play Santa Claus and yeah. died and died in the chimney and wasn't found for days afterwards. You know, you've just filled with Christmas warmth. Well, what gremlins is a perennial. <laughs> gremlins is a perennial Christmas movie over here every Christmas. ITV will Gremlins out. Is that kind of like BBC America playing Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> it, it's kind of like that, only not as much of a head-scratcher, given that there are some really genius BBC programs at the moment that BBC America should be showing, like Years and Years by Russell T. Davis, which is awesome. Never heard of it. Uh, you've, have you been watching What We Do in the Shadows? I asked Bill this the other day. Do you not watch the TV version of that? I keep meaning to, but I have not gotten to it yet. It's f***ing hysterical. Well, the movie was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a laugh-out-loud comedy show. It really... It, I am in hysterics watching that. And Angela's in the background kind of smiling occasionally, and Anya just doesn't get it at all. <laughs> is is it kind of a dry humor like the, yes. the movie? Or? Yes, it's very dry. And it's one of those shows that you're so busy laughing at a line of dialogue, you miss the next gag. I did hear about Taika Waititi uh, involved, or yeah, he's he's wrote a few and he's directed a few, but he's not in it. Same with Jermaine Clement. It's got Matt Berry in it. Matt Berry, but not Ken Berry. No, Matt Berry is awesome. <laughs> Matt Berry, I hear you, Clem Fandango. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I am definitely gonna have to get to that. Which one? And they're only Toast of London twin. or what we do in Shadows? Toast of London's both. Right? both. Yes, yeah, both. Ray Ray <laughs> purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love what we do in the shadows. I'm going to have to definitely check it out. But I guess we should find out if we love this episode. We we should rate it. Yes, all right. 
I have to calculate a few things in because we've had a few ups and downs. We had a Die Hard reference. Um, office I, space. Office space. And, yeah, I'm going to go Gilligan's with... Gilligan's Island. 3... 3.25. It, it's our first 5.5, ladies and gentlemen. No, because <laughs> we added all these 0.5s. 0.5. Because I started out at a... This was the, the definition of average, and it's gone up with some of the nice little nods that you've put, put on the table. So about 3.25. I was at 3, and I'm go, I've gone up to 3.5 because I, I've come to appreciate some of the humor just a little bit more than I did, especially the office space reference really just does it for me. And I know that's not something that they were actually referring to in the episode, but I don't care. It's my rating, and that's what I'm giving it. 3.5. I'm going to go 3.5 as well. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, it's dopey. But the fact that the characters make fun of how stupid and dopey it is kind of makes you go, okay, I'm along for the ride. And some of the dialogue is genuinely funny. Uh, Bill always has the toughest time. <laughs> it's all this math trying to figure out between one and five. Uh, I guess so. Ooh, no, I could no, no, because Paul hit me, and I think I've but done that's that. That's going to happen anyway. So just yeah, that's true. I was going to give it a three point one six because it's like a good piece of pie. Give me pie. <laughs> Because you enjoy it while you're eating it, but then later you're like, should I really have ate that whole pie? Because it's fun, you know, when you're in the moment. And, and then because we've had to watch it, I think this is like the third time I've watched it, uh, that, you know, we start to find the little flaws and we tug at the edges. But but no, it's a good it's a good piece of, it, well, it's a good pie. It was a piece of pie. Like I'd eat a piece of pie. I mean, eat the whole pie. So 3.16 space pies? Mm-mm. Okay, so that's what we say, but what does Blaine say? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so disappointing. Contractually, this is your part of the show. Well, I was going to, but I can't think if I've already done uh, Crazy Train. Blaine, Blaine. Blaine, Blaine. Blaine, Blaine. Blame me. Blame Blame What does he say? Here we go. We only have 14 hours to do this podcast. I love you, Flash. <laughs> we have to save the Earth. I will now accept your Blaine intro. <laughs> Good recovery. Blaine says, Hi, guys. A Jemadar episode that goes for comedy. Didn't see that coming. He's, he's, he's like Quicksilver. <laughs> That's funny. I like that line. I do enjoy Bashir's self-satisfied smile after saying, I'm sorry it was very small of me. Odo's prank, <laughs> Odo's prank Quark's participation in Odo's prank, and the camaraderie it demonstrates. The crack about D- Dax's gentle touch, and more. I particularly like Nog pointing out that the actual space within the anomaly was shrinking along with them, which avoids a lot of the science issues inherent to stories about shrinking characters. Of course, not undoing it before they move through the Defiant means there are all sorts of other issues introduced, as they now exist in normal space. Not to mention the fact that paths through space-time anomalies wouldn't necessarily be reversible. So the way they explain how they return to normal size doesn't quite work either. In short, the story requires us to swallow quite the MacGuffin. But if you can manage that, it's fun enough. And the logic holds together from that point forward. How well the MacGuffin goes down will be entirely personal and will likely also depend on my mood. It worked for me today, but I won't guarantee it will work when I watch it again. 
explain. See, to think about science of this nature, and I am talking as the buffoon against uh, Blaine's learned self, but to think about science of this nature is I feel it's all theoretical anyway, because yeah. as far as I know, nobody has ever shrunk down. So we can't say definitively this is what would happen. We can say, based on the research we have, this is what would happen. But it is entirely possible that things are different than we think they are if you tried to actually do this. And again, I speak as the buffoon who knows nothing. So maybe I'm totally speaking out of turn here. But as that person, I accept whatever science they throw at me because, again, as far as I'm concerned, it's all theoretical. My only thing is I just want them to be consistent within the laws of science as they present them. I don't want them to present something and then just totally go against what they presented and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we just changed it. Which this is. It is consistent. Yeah, within the realm... Which side of the fence you were falling on? I'm, I'm just going to straddle the fence. Um, but the trouble will be middle of the road is eventually get run over. Um, it, it is consistent within Star Trek. It's the kind of thing Star Trek can get away with some gobbledygook, and it works. You know, if they can shrink Doctor Who, they can do it on Star Trek. And the key to me is they made it they made it uh, dependent upon this anomaly. Yeah. It's, it's something that they can't just do any time they decide... It fits the plot because when they have stuff like that, sometimes it's like in future episodes, you get to the point where you'd say, well, why don't they just shrink down? They have that technology. Uh, you know, it's not just it's not an option because you have to have this anomaly present in order to do it, which means it's a one and done. Yeah. And they still do well in keeping it as part of the overall framework that they've created as being Star Trek. If they'd done this story on Farscape, for instance, it would have just been a massive piss tech. And Battlestar Galactica wouldn't go anywhere near it because it's not serious. It's not. It's too comedic. So it, it kind of straddles that line, and they do a good job of making it straddle that line without it ever becoming ridiculous to the point of laughable, or becoming overly serious to try and sell this ridiculous concept. So I, yeah, I think I think we've all rated this one quite fairly. Well, here's what would have happened if it was done on Battlestar Galactica. In the scene where they go inside the computer to rearrange the chips and pull little cables out, somebody would have stepped outside their little air bubble and the air would have rushed in and they would have blown the person. They would have blown their lungs out of yeah, the chest. Yeah, it would have killed That's somebody. what would have happened. And in Farscape, John Crichton would have ended up nestled in Aaron's cleavage. Oh, boy. Mm, sorry. Or, or Rigel would have just farted even more and more and more because he, as he gets more and more panicked, so the shit helium. would have the shit would have stunk. Doesn't he fart helium? Yeah. So they all end up squeaking. Yeah, they'd be like, <laughs> which may have been a fun. Episode. I gotta go back and watch Farscape. I haven't seen that since it aired. Gotta go back. Gotta go back, Paul. Brings us back it's to Lost right there. I miss Harvey. What are we doing next time? <laughs> next time on an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets, there is no honor among thieves. Undercover. These are dangerous men. If they find out who you are, they'll kill you. Under suspicion. They say you can tell a traitor by looking in his eyes. Under the gun. Let me get this mission over with a call. In the shadows of a criminal syndicate. I'm going to take care of I don't forget my friends. O'Brien befriends the man he must ultimately betray. I gotta kill him, aren't they? On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
just like there's no point watching this episode. See you next week. Oh, as, as I said before, it's a chance to torture O'Brien without physically touching him. It also it's a tortures to torture us. us. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've so. got a man. I think I'm going to take a beating on that one because I, I, well, I guess we'll have, you'll have to see what happens next week. Let's, let's see what happens when we torture O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> got my stomping boots on, Bill. <laughs> Get ready. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Want my money, Damien? <laughs> Back to that. that. That should just be our, our tagline for the day. Every time every time we start going astray, you better get back on target. <laughs> Goofy failed a knife. <laughs>